Well, let me uh, welcome you here tonight to Big Valley Grace, especially if you're uh, visiting with us and welcome to all of you that are watching online. Um, let me just say thank you to the whole team that serves around here, includes these folks here and those of you that maybe you're watching over in children's ministries or you're watching out here in the Serve Center or you're watching out there. Um, just it's an honor to serve with such beautiful uh, people who are making a difference. We're, we're, we're making a difference right here in this little pinhole on a map called Modesto, California. And if you haven't found a place to serve the Lord, this is the place right here. Amen. Use your gifts, talents, abilities, all that to make a difference to reach this city for the, the, the glory of God. And so thank you to all of you that are serving uh, right now. Um, so let me tell you how we're going to end, Okay. Uh, I've been to Israel on a number of occasions. Uh, a lot of times with uh, Gordon and I have gone on a couple of, I don't know, three or four times. Uh, Lonnie and I uh, have gone to Israel on a number of occasions. And um, it was a few years ago. Had a group there, and right there at the Mount of Olives. And we're looking at the Great Temple Mount. And uh, Scott Butler was on this trip and he pulled out a little stereo unit, it's about, about this big right here, you know, and he sang this song called The Midnight Cry. And uh, it was just a, a great, great song about this day when Jesus Christ is gonna come back. And it was like one of the most memorable moments ever. Gordon, you were there, and uh, Rich, Rich was there. And tonight, um, I asked him, not to sing it with a track, but I asked if the band could learn that song and if Scott could sing it, and we're gonna end in a great way, then we'll go out and have just a marvelous time of uh, fellowship. I hope, I hope tonight is a, a night of joy for you. It ought to bring you a lot of joy, especially if you uh, know the, 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 the Lord. Tonight we're gonna zero in on, on one major thought, okay? Uh, we're gonna talk about one thing, and, and that's the rapture or the rapture of the, the church. Now, now, some of you here know exactly what the rapture is, okay? Some of you have heard the word before, and, you, and you're kind of sure, or you kind of think you know what it is, and then there are some of you here, maybe you're so new in the faith, you have no clue what it is. Well, today we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about it. In fact, we're gonna have a good old-fashioned uh, Bible study. We're gonna look at a lot of verses today. So take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14. Okay, we're in a study where we're walking through the Gospel of John together. So put your finger in at John chapter 14, or, or uh, most of your Bibles have these little things here that you never use. Okay, <laughs> they're just, it's like, what are these? We'll put one of them there, John chapter 14. Put one at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and then put one at Revelation chapter two. Okay, we're gonna look at a lot more verses than those, but at least you'll, you'll, you'll be there. Um, so what, what exactly is the, the rapture? Well, let me give it to you in a practical sense. So every, uh, every Saturday night and Sunday morning at nine and Sunday morning at 11 here, we have you fill out these connect cards. We wanna know that you're here. And uh, the big thing is, we want to be able to pray for you. And without a doubt, the number one thing that comes in, and we have these cards calculated out each week, without a doubt, the number one thing 
that we pray for are, are health things. This is the number one thing, always. There's something going on in your life, a surgery's coming up, you have a friend who's having a surgery, it's always health. It's, always the number one thing that we're praying for. We have a whole ministry here at Big Valley Grace that's dedicated just for that, visiting people in hospitals, going to hospitals, um, all, of, all of that. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing the number of cards that come in that deal with, with health. Let me tell you about the rapture. When the rapture happens, you won't be filling out any more of these cards. That's pretty practical. No, 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 no more cards to fill out, believer. You won't have to worry about your health anymore. Um, no, more, no more funerals. We as believers won't be going to funerals anymore. We do lots of funerals here at Big Valley Grace. I'll, I guarantee you there's not another church in town that does as many funerals as we do. A lot of people from other churches use our facility or just the manpower that we have here to do funerals. No, no more funerals, we're done. We're done with them. Today, I had a baseball game and my starting second baseman, uh, Jake Darby, was at his uncle's funeral and he wasn't able to be there. There's coming a day, the rapture. Christian, won't be going to any more funerals. Be done. No, no more taking a prescription into Walgreens or whatever and getting your anti-inflammatories or whatever all that stuff is. No, no more chemotherapy. It'll all, it'll all end when the rapture takes place. So that, that's kind of what it is in a practical sense. But, but here's the deal. The Bible teaches, at least in my opinion, that there's coming a day, and it could be today. Literally, it could be right now. I, 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 I literally may not finish this, this sermon. And some of you are going, man, that'd be a good day. <laughs> man, uh, hey, now we're talking, Pastor. <laughs> yeah. um, it's coming a day when, when Jesus will come and take his church. All true believers, his bride, both living and dead, to heaven. And th this is called the rapture, okay? Everybody look at our text in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We looked at it last week a little bit. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Look at verse three. When everything is ready... When everything's ready, and obviously it ain't ready yet, but when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Beloved, this is a clear reference to what we call the rapture. When everything is ready, Jesus will come and get us. He'll, he'll come and rapture us off of this planet. And by the way, this is the first time in the Bible where you find any mention of God taking people off the planet to go somewhere else. Okay? Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 gives us a little more detail about this moment. So, so go ahead and open up 
to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is a super encouraging um, Bible study we're going to have tonight. Just what I read there in John 14 is pretty encouraging, huh? Man, when everything's ready, there's coming this moment when Jesus says, man, I'm going to come and get you. It's coming. It's coming. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verse 13. The Holy Spirit fills our brother Paul, and he pins these words. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers, believers, those that have given their life to Christ, the church, the called out ones, the bride, who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. He's talking, hey, he's talking about those that are, you know, you went to a funeral and they're dead. Okay? Well, what happens to, you know, those believers that have died? Because I want you to know what's going to happen to them. Some of your Bibles say, I don't want you to be ignorant, right? Some of your Bibles say that, right? You see, one of the things that God doesn't want his people to be is ignorant. And unfortunately, there's a lot of believers who are ignorant. And God doesn't want us to be ignorant. That's why he gave us this thing called the brain. It's this incredible thing. He goes on in verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died, and we do as believers, and was raised to life again, right? We believe that, right? Easter. We also believe that when Jesus returns, the rapture, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. I'm going to get there. I'm going to explain this to you. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Remember, that's where he's at. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's going to come when everything's ready. He'll come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. So let's just assume that the rapture was going to happen right now, right? Okay, so just imagine. You all have loved ones who were believers. Maybe it was a, your mom or your dad, or maybe it was a grandpa or grandma or someone like that. Who, was, who, who died, and their bodies are in the grave. They're under the ground, right? Well, when the, everything's ready, Jesus is going to come, and those bodies will be resurrected. They're going to come up out of the ground first. God's going to recreate them. Remember, he created you once inside your mother's womb, right? Did that over nine months. God won't have any problem putting your body back together again in a nanosecond. Well, what if my loved one died in a fire? God will have no problem putting your loved one back together again. Well, what if my loved one, I don't know, was eaten by jaws out in the open ocean? God will have no problem putting your loved one who's a believer back together again. That's no problem for God. He puts you together once. So the dead in Christ are going to rise first, Right? Look at verse 17. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So obviously, if we were in a 
a cemetery. The dead in Christ would come up first. Maybe your mom, maybe your dad, maybe it was another loved one. They'll come up out of the ground. They'll have a new resurrected body. Now all of us, those who are believers and who remain on the planet, our bodies will be transformed at that moment. And it says, we will meet the Lord in the air. We're gonna meet him in the air. Here's the deal. I have been following Christ for, um, I don't know, almost 40 years. Some of you have been following Christ. Lonnie's been following Christ longer than that. Some of you have followed the Lord way longer than I have. And I've never met him. Never seen him. My grandma used to have a picture of him, <laughs> but they didn't have cameras back then, so I'm not really sure that was him. Never met him. Lonnie's never met him. I don't care how long you've walked with the Lord, you've never met him. Now, we've met him in an interesting way through the scriptures, obviously. We've all met him in our times of prayer. We've met him when we sing a, a great theological sacred worship song. But we've never met him. Never seen him. Never. Well, when everything's ready and Jesus comes and gets us, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those of us who remain, when Paul wrote that, he was thinking it was gonna be him, I'm alive. Those of us that remain, obviously Paul died. Those of us that remain will be caught up in the air and will, for the very first time, we'll see him. Amen. We'll see the very one who we have been reading and studying and meditating on, the one who we've been singing to and giving to, the one in whom we've been serving and all those things. For the very first time, the rapture were to happen right now. If everything was ready and everything was done right now, boom, the dead in Christ would rise and then those of us who are believers who remain on the planet, we'd be caught up in the air and for the very first time, we'd be looking at the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We will spend our eternity with him. And then look how Paul ends 1 Thessalonians. After that, he says, so... encourage each other with these words. You see, when you think about the rapture, when you think about that moment that Jesus talked about in John 14, that when everything is ready, I'm gonna come and get you. Man, if that weren't true, I wouldn't say it. Jesus isn't a liar, and if he says he's gonna come and get you, he's gonna come and get you. And at that moment, when everything's ready, and he comes, and he gets us, wow! No more prayer cards, no more health issues, no more financial issues, no more funerals, no more doctors, no more hospitals, it's all done. I'll get rid of my glasses, woo! Man, and Paul says, man, encourage each other with these words. And it is an encouraging thing for us 
who know Christ. Super encouraging. I remember once, though, I was talking with a young couple. This is, man, this is a long time ago. And they were getting married. Yeah, two virgins, two great kids in our church. I don't know, this might have been 20 years ago. I don't really remember now. And I was doing a little premarital counseling with them and we were talking and man, they were super excited about you know, getting married and, and uh, man, it was just a super neat thing, man. And, and um, so the, the meeting got over with, she leaves and he kind of was hanging out, you know, kind of by the door and, and I could tell he wanted to talk. I said, hey, come here, what's going on? He goes, well... He said, I wanted to just ask you a question. He said, you know that rapture thing? I said, yeah. He said, you know, I've heard that it could like happen at like any minute. So well, I, think it, I think it can. I think all the prophecies that have needed to be fulfilled have been fulfilled and he could come back at, at any moment. He goes, he said, Pastor Rick, is it wrong for me to ask God not to have the rapture happen until after the honeymoon? <laughs> I said, young man, I, I get it. I know what you're talking about, I get it. <laughs> I said, hey, however the Lord leads you to pray, brother. <laughs> oh, that's great. I want you to know something, that's not my notes. It just came to my brain, I remembered it. It just came to my mind. I, I remember that moment, man. Uh, now, the question everybody wants to know is, you know, when? when when's it going to happen? When will the, the rapture happens, it, it happen? And the answer is, well, nobody knows. We just know that there's, there's coming a day when Jesus will come back and take his church off the planet forever. I know that we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. I do know that. But I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know when. And there have been a lot of guys out there that've written books and they've tried to predict the day, you know, it's going to be Tuesday or whatever. And if anybody writes a book or says that it's going to be Tuesday or Friday or whatever, just mark that day down because that ain't the day. Okay? Cuz no no one knows the day. Now what I did was I put together a um, uh, kind of a timeline for you cuz I want you to understand this, okay? So put that timeline up if you could. Now, I know some of you are old and you can't see the thing. Okay? I get it. I can see it. It's all that matters at this moment. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a, a, a biblical timeline. Obviously, it's not everything that's in the Bible, but I do want you to understand a little bit the timeline of what we're, what we're talking about, okay? So right here, we have, you know, creation and Adam and Eve. You see that right there? This is the world being created, and you have Adam and Eve. And obviously, that's Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God creates everything. Okay, that, that's, that's this. He creates Adam and Eve. Obviously, you get to Genesis chapter 3, and that's where we have the fall of man. Adam sins against God, and now this crummy thing called sin enters into the equation of life. And it's because of sin that we die. It's because of sin you have to put on your communication cards, you know, pray for health issues. It's because of sin your eyeballs aren't working anymore. It's because of sin you just get old and die. It's because of sin we have tornadoes and earthquakes and all the crummy things that happen on planet Earth. It's because of sin we have, you know, banks being robbed and your homes are being robbed and, and people are raped and, and killed and, and murdered. It's because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Now, the rest of the Old Testament, 
from Genesis chapter, really 12, but we'll say three on, is all about the fact that God was gonna send a deliverer, a savior, a Messiah, to you know, solve the problem of sin, okay? So the Old Testament is all about Jesus' coming. Okay, that's the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you go all the way through, all the way through the book of Malachi. All of those books all deal with the idea that Jesus is coming, the Savior's coming, the Messiah's coming. I've told you this before. Now, all of a sudden, you get to the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, and then there's 400 years of silence. All of a sudden, God stops talking. There's no more prophets. There's no more Ezekiel's or, or Jeremiah's or, or Noah's or, or Malachi's or Habakkuk's. God just goes quiet for 400 years. It's a little over 400 years, but 400 years, nothing. And then God breaks his silence after 400 years. He sends an angel to a woman and tells that woman she's going to have a baby. And that baby was who? Jesus. No, it wasn't Jesus. It was, uh, it was John the Baptist. <laughs> the angel shows up and tells Elizabeth, Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby. His name is going to be John the Baptist. John. Uh, he ends up being John the Baptist. Okay? His name wasn't John the Baptist. That wasn't on the birth certificate. John the Baptist. No, it wasn't. Okay. And then about six months later, an angel shows up to a virgin by the name of Mary and tells her, you're going to have a baby. Remember that Messiah, that Savior who was going to come? Well, guess what? Mary, you're the one who's going to have that baby. That baby isn't going to have a human father because if it has a human father with a human mother, they get together, that sperm and egg get together, and guess what? You have a human baby with, that's tainted like we are. All of a sudden, that, that baby is born in sin like we are. Now his blood can't do anything for us. So this, this, this has to be a special child. This just can't be any child. And so you have Jesus is born right here. You see that? After 400 years of silence, the angel tells Mary, you're going to have a baby, and now Jesus is born. The little blue thing, that's the 33 years, a little over 33 years that Jesus lived on planet Earth, okay? Basically, his ministry started when he was 30, okay? So when Jesus was 30, all of a sudden, you know, his ministry starts, and then you have his death and his resurrection, we're going to celebrate his resurrection here in whatever it is, a month or so. We call, it, we call it Easter. And that basically kicks in what we call the New Testament. Okay? Jesus has come. So the Old Testament's all about Jesus is coming. Now Jesus has come. And in the New Testament, the church age or whatever it is, whatever name you want to put on it, it's been about 2,000 years. Well, what's the next thing that's supposed to happen according to the scriptures? The next thing, according to the scriptures, that will happen is this thing called the rapture of believers, where God will come and he will take his church, all true believers, the called out ones, and he'll take us to be with him. When everything's ready, he'll come and get us. 
And as I said, it could be today. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then if we're still here, all of us will be taken up and we're gonna meet the Lord. That, that, that's the next thing that has to happen. And it's important that we're taken out of here because then the Bible teaches, at least in my opinion, and I realize there are others that have different opinions, Christians, good Christians that will disagree with me. I'm okay with that. I'm just telling you what I believe and what we teach. That then ushers in what we call the, the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation period, or the seven-year great tribulation period. It's also known as uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, it's, it's, it's got a number of different names. And that's seven years on the planet that's really crummy. God is now judging all the unbelievers. Remember, we're gone. This planet was hijacked in Genesis chapter three, so to speak. All of a sudden, you know, Satan shows up, somehow deceives Adam and Eve, and now we've had a mess on this planet since then, and guess what? God's coming back to say, hey listen, I'm taking back what was mine. And so you have this seven year tribulation period that's horrible, we're not gonna be here. At the end of that seven-year tribulation period, there are three major things that happen. Jesus, number one, actually returns and sets his feet down on planet Earth. In the rapture, we meet him in the air and his feet don't touch the ground. We're gonna see him in the air. The Bible is very, very specific, very technical. So Jesus will come. There's this battle of Armageddon. It's the last thing. It's not really a battle. We call it the battle of, of, of Armageddon. It's really a slaughter, okay? You know, Jesus just wipes everybody out, basically, but we call it the battle of Armageddon. And then Satan is bound, and then that ushers in. Remember, now Jesus is on the planet, and that ushers in a what we call the millennium age. It's a thousand year reign of Christ here on planet earth. And then at the end of that thousand years, Satan is freed and then doomed the great white throne judgment. And then there's this new heaven and, and new earth. Okay. That kind of gives you a little overview of what the Bible teaches. Now there are some really great Christians. Maybe you're sitting out there and you got a little different viewpoint. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Just don't send me a bunch of emails and you know, cut and paste you know, your 87 books that you've read about other things. I, I, I know what they are. I've read them. And you're my brother or my sister in the Lord. Okay? But this is what I believe is clearly taught in the, the scriptures, and this is what we teach here at Big Valley Grace. So all of this, the whole point of this timeline that I'm putting up here for you guys is I wanted you to see that right now we're here. I don't know, maybe we're here. Maybe this is today. Maybe, maybe this is today. And, and oh, oh, ooh, maybe that's today. I don't know. I don't know where we're at. I don't know. I don't have a clue. I just know that the next thing that's going to happen is this thing that Jesus talked about in our text. That when everything's ready, when everything's ready, I'll come get you. I'm gonna come get you. It's gonna be a glorious day. It's gonna be an unbelievable day when all of a sudden Jesus comes and he takes his bride out of here. So let me get back 
to the, the rapture. Okay, I wanna unpack this thing for you just a little bit more. Okay, everybody now take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter two, because I want you to see this in, in, in scripture, okay? I want you to know this week as I was studying, I, I was just so, I had a lot of joy, just had a lot of joy just thinking about this day. I'm serious, it was just really beautiful. Okay, now in Revelation uh, chapters two and three, they're, they're super interesting chapters because Jesus actually writes seven different letters to seven different churches, okay? These were real uh, churches in the first century that were located basically throughout Asia, and these letters were kind of like progress reports. Literally, Jesus writes these letters to the leaders of these seven churches, and uh, I don't know, he basically says, hey, here are the things that you're doing well in the church, and here are some things you're not doing very well. And he writes these seven letters, these progress reports, if you um, will. And I want you to know that I've often thought about what would, what would Jesus write if he was writing a letter to us here at Big Valley Grace? Thought about it again this week. What would he write to us? What would he have to say to us? I have no doubt that Jesus would say some really wonderful things about, about what we do here and some of the ministries that go on here and some of the changed lives that go on here and our endeavor to preach the word here. I, I have no doubt there'd be some really great stuff. But I also know, because we're human, that there'd be some things He'd say, hey, wow, really? You're doing that? You're burning juice there? Why are you doing that? That's stupid. Don't do that. I just haven't got that letter yet. <laughs> but I think about it. I think about it. So I want you to look at chapter 2, verse 1. Okay? Now you're going to see something here. This is super interesting. Okay? Chapter 2, verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Ephesus. That was a real church in the first century. Okay? The church in Ephesus. Now look at verse 7. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. See that? That's pretty clear. Look at verse uh, 8. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Smyrna. See? There's this church. There's a real church, like Big Valley Grace. Well, look at verse 11. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what is saying to, what he's saying to the churches. Okay, got that? Now look at verse uh, 12. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Pergamum. Real church, folks, real church. Anyone with ears, verse 17, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. See that? Pretty clear. Okay, now look at verse uh, uh, 18. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Thyatira. Real church. Verse 29, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Now look at verse chapter 3. Okay, you there? Verse 1. Write this letter to the church in Sardis. Verse 6. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Look at verse seven. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. Anyone, verse 13, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. 
And last but not least, look at verse 14. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Laodicea. It's a real church, was a real church. Verse 22, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So in Revelation chapters two and three, these letters, real letters, are written to these seven churches. Can't miss it, right? Okay, it's pretty, pretty clear. Now when you get to chapter four of Revelation, something happens. In fact, chapter four is the key division in the book of Revelation. Everybody look at chapter four. Then, this is John writing, then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice uh, I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. Remember, this voice was talking about these letters to these churches. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. I wonder who that was. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like Jasper and Carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumble and thunder. Wow. Imagine that. That that had to be an incredible, incredible moment, right? Look again at verse 2. The voice says, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. I want you to look at those two words, after this. After what? After what? What's he talking about? After what? Well, I think he's talking about the church. I think he's talking about the fact that when he's done with the church, Revelation chapter two, write these letters to the churches, get it out there, get these progress reports out there. I want them to know how they're doing. I want them to know what they need to work on. And then all of a sudden you get to chapter four and it's, hey, I need to tell you what's gonna happen after this. And here's the deal. You never read the word church again in Revelation chapter four all through the rest of the book. It's never mentioned one time. It's mentioned in chapter two and three a bunch of times. You get to chapter four and something happens. The church is gone. The church has been raptured. It's been taken out of here. God is telling John, look, after this, after I'm done with the church, after I'm done with my bride, after everything is ready and I come and I take my bride, I want you to know what's gonna happen. And in the rest of Revelation, basically, is kind of letting us a little bit in on what's gonna happen in that seven-year tribulation period and beyond, okay? Now, what you do read in Revelation 4 and all, and, and you know, through the end of it is, are references to saints and brethren and children of Israel, a great multitude of believers, but there's no longer a church. You don't see it anywhere in the rest of the book of Revelation. So what happened to the church? What happened to the church between Revelations 3 and 4? Well, I, I think it's the rapture. I think what Jesus said in our text, John chapter 14, when everything is ready, happened. Everything was ready. 
And the father said to his son, go, go get the bride. Go get all the true believers. He took his church to be with him forever. I think that in John chapter 14 and verse three, I think that is a clear reference to the, to the rapture. When everything is ready, when it's all ready, I will come and get you so that you will be with me forever, basically. Now, let me walk you through a number of scriptures, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna rattle through these. I think most of them are in your notes here, okay? First, and by the way, I kind of put these in, in an order, and this isn't a comprehensive list. I just want you to kind of get a feel for this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter one, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly await for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, the rapture. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns, the rapture, when everything's ready, right? Philippians chapter three says in verse 20, but we're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior, the rapture. We're waiting for that day. He will take our weak mortal bodies and he'll change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Hey folks, these bodies can't go to heaven. They couldn't, couldn't hack it there. These things gotta be transformed. This body of mine's still decaying, it's still getting old, it's dying. The body I'm gonna have in glory has to be different than this body, it has to be different. And so at the rapture, when the dead in Christ arise and then we are caught up, he's, he's doing a work in these literal bodies of ours. This body can't go to heaven because it's the headquarters of sin. Sin lives in my flesh. Paul said, no good dwells in my flesh. This, this is a crummy thing. That's why when you take your last breath, it just crumples to the ground. You put it in a casket, throw it eight feet under the ground. This doesn't get to go to heaven. Sin lives in here. But there's coming a day at the rapture, we're gonna get a new one. One that's no longer the headquarters of sin. First Thessalonians chapter one says, and they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's son from heaven, Jesus. That's the rapture whom God raised from the dead. He goes on to say this in chapter five, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us, there's no way God's gonna pour out his anger on us like he's going to in the great tribulation. He's not gonna have us go through that. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive when he returns, the rapture, we can live with him forever. James, our brother, said this in chapter five. He said, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return, the rapture, Consider the farmer, or consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rain in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look, uh, look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. The rapture's near. And we gotta be patient. 
This was written, these were written 2,000 years ago. We gotta be patient. Just like a farmer. You plant seeds. You don't get, you know, corn the next day. You don't get, you know, carrots the next day. You gotta be patient. All of a sudden, bing, a little thing comes up. Okay, great, that's all, you know, you gotta be patient. But like a farmer, he knows that thing's gonna grow. And you're gonna get corn, or you're gonna get a, a, a carrot. They know. They planted the seed. I know I'm gonna get it. And we know. We just gotta be patient like a farmer. If you know Christ as your Savior, hey, he's coming. He's gonna get us out of here at some, at some moment. Uh, Peter said this in chapter one. There is, a, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is much more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through the many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world, the rapture. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the glorious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Another reference to the rapture, without a doubt. First John chapter two says, and now dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, the rapture, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in, in shame. 1 John chapter three says, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, the rapture. Look, when he comes and he changes our bodies, you know, I'm not really sure what we're gonna look like. You know, I, I don't know if I wanna look 58. I, I don't know how it's gonna work. I kinda, I don't know, Gordon, you wanna look like that? I don't think, Gordon, you don't wanna look like that, do you, man? Come on, brother. I don't know what we're going to look like. I know we're going to know each other. I know we're going to have fellowship together. But I, I just, I don't know exactly what it's all going to look like when it's all said and done. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Listen, when a nation goes to war, um, do you know what one of the first things that happens is, let, let's say we declared war on some nation. You know one of the first things we do? One of the first things we do is we call our ambassadors home. Because we don't want our ambassadors getting killed in action when, when, the, when the war breaks out or, or, or whatever. Second Corinthians chapter five says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us right now, right? While we're in the, while we're in the New Testament age, if you will. We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God. Here's the deal. Remember the, 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 the timeline. The, there's a battle that's going to rage after the rapture. There's a seven-year horrible period of time that's going to go on on planet Earth. God's going to judge the world. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to call all his ambassadors home before the war breaks out. It's exactly what he's going to do. He'd never have his bride go through something like that. He'd never have his church go through something like that. Never. He's going to spare us from that judgment, just like he spared Noah and his family from judgment when the flood came. He's going to take care of his church. He's going to take care of believers. 
Look again at Revelation chapter four real quick. It says, then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven and in the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I'm gonna show you what must happen after this. I'm gonna show you what's gonna happen after I take my church out here. I'm gonna show you what's gonna happen, you know, after the rapture, if you will. <clears throat> and instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. We know who that is, right? Verse five, from the throne. Now listen to me, from the throne. This is where Jesus is. Came flashes of lightning and rumbles of, of thunder. And those are words that describe judgment. See, remember, this is the throne of God after the church has been raptured. But listen to what Hebrews chapter four says about the throne of God today, okay? It says this in chapter four. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. You know, we know, we know he's talking about the Lord. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he didn't sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will find flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder. Who wants to go to a throne like that? No, that's not what we're going to find there right now. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace and help when we need it most. Look, today God invites us to come boldly to his throne because it's a throne of love. It's a throne of grace. It's a throne of mercy. But there's coming a moment when he takes his bride out of here, he takes his church out of here, and it's no longer a throne of grace and of love and of mercy. It's not a throne you want to come boldly to. It's a throne that you want to hide from. You want to scatter from because now God is judging planet Earth for its unbelief in his in his son. Listen to these words of Jesus in Matthew 24. For there will be a greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. There will be some people who will come to faith in Christ during that seven-year tribulation period. Most of them will be Jewish. Most of them. Verse 30, and then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of earth and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds uh, uh, with uh, power and great glory and he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Wow. That's describing what's going to happen at the very end of the seven-year tribulation period. Here's the deal. I want to get real practical before uh, uh, the band comes up. In fact, band, you guys can come out here if you want. Okay, I want you to hear this song. Well, okay, so what, Pastor Rick? Hey, I'm glad I came tonight. Glad I was here. That was interesting. Great Bible study. A lot of verses. Man, I, I can see where you, where you got that. Hey, I'm with you, man. I think I believe that too. So what? What, what does that mean for us as, as believers? Well, Paul wrote to a pre, little preacher guy, and, and he said this in Titus chapter 2. He said, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. 
And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Wow. That's, 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 that's pretty clean, isn't it? That's pretty simple. There are some others. I think in your notes I gave you 2 Peter chapter 3. Here's the deal. We know what's coming, Christian. We know. We know what's coming. And so because we know what's going to happen, because we know there's going to come a moment when God will, 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 will rapture his, his bride, take the church, all true believers out of here, Whoa! I, I I I think those are pretty good. I think those are pretty good words right there. Don't don't, don't you don't 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 you think that that you know we just ought to live with great wisdom, the wisdom that we find right here in Scripture. We ought to we ought to live with with you know in a righteous way. Righteous. This book right here tells us how we're to live. This is right living. That's how we ought to live. And then it says, and, and, and devotion to God. It's pretty much a no-brainer knowing that God has spared us from this horrible moment that's going to come, that we would live with great devotion to God. Father, I'm, I'm thankful for your word and I'm thankful, God, that I know what's going to happen to me. If I die, I'm going to go be with you. And if I'm alive when you come back, I'm going to go be with you. It's, either way, I'm going to be with you. When everything is just right, when everything is right, you promised that you would come and get us, that we would be where you're at. It might be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be 100 years from now. I don't know. I don't know. When the writers of the Bible wrote this, they thought it was going to happen in their generation. 2,000 years ago, I don't know when you're coming back. I just know you're coming back. And help me to be somebody that when that moment comes, that I've lived a God-honoring life. And may that be true of us as a, as a church family here. And I pray this in your name. Amen.